welcome. If you have a financial question for today's guest, you can call this number 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It is one advice You can also email your question to yourmoneyatwealthenhancement.com. You can also text our studio line for the next hour at 651-461-9226. You can use that number as well to call and actually ask your question of our guests. Here is now the Wealth Enhancement Investment Group Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor, along with the founding member of Wealth Enhancement, Bruce Helmer. Good morning to both of you. Good morning. Hello, Peg Webb. Hello, Susie Jones. Um, yeah, uh, Susie, I hope people do uh, call or text today on today's subject because this is something, Peg, that we've talked about before, but I don't think we can talk about this too much. And, and, and the reason I think that I think will become apparent as we dig into this a little bit. But, you know, everybody's talking about inflation, including us on this show. Inflation is a big deal this year for the first time in a really long time, but rising costs as with regard to healthcare costs has been going on for a long time. So even though inflation across the, the, the map hasn't been bad for a long time, there's been certain areas, and I think of education and I think of healthcare, that the costs have been rising significantly for a long time. That is not a new thing. And so today we're going to talk about a couple of tools or strategies that people can use to help uh, the, the pain of the, of the rise costs and, and the future costs of health care to help deal with that issue. And Peg, specifically I'm talking about HSAs and FSAs. And I know our industry is full of acronyms. We'll, we'll tell you a little bit more about what those terms mean. Peg? Yeah, um, thanks, Bruce. Uh, we wanted to talk about this today because I think it's really, really important, especially at year end, because uh, there's some deadlines here. And we're talking about health savings accounts and flexible spending accounts. Bruce, you talked a little bit about the, the past where um, health care costs have been rising dramatically, and, and some quotes are 6% compounded which is just astronomical. But do you remember, Bruce, the days when the only option for us when it came to health care was a traditional plan? I mean, I was employed at that time. There was no real decisions to make, right? You just got right. this traditional health care plan through your employer. Well, then they introduced um, some high deductible plans. And the whole transition there was I'm not so sure, Bruce, that it was better for the employee or was it better for the employer or was it better for both when these high deductible plans came out? Because it added a lot of complexity and it made our job even harder, meaning all of a sudden there's lots of other choices that our clients can make. But you mentioned, is it is is that a beneficial thing for us? Well, so today we're going to talk about how do we maximize with our health savings accounts and flexible spending accounts because there's some great, great benefits for us tax-wise in knowing the rules. This also is the time that your employers may be saying, hey, check the box. What do you want? Some companies still offer traditional. Some companies only offer high deductible. Some companies offer you the flexible plan. So, 
let's start with the um, health savings account. And um, hey, basically, hey, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but uh, I, I'm, I have a suggestion. Before we dive into health savings account, maybe you can define, because this is a question that I get a lot. So to be eligible for a health savings account, you just mentioned how it used to be all you know, simple. You, you had your plan and that was it. And then relatively, but, you know, by comparison, new is this ability to have a high deductible plan. And with the high deductible plan, the health savings account. But talk a little bit about what is or what is not a high deductible plan and maybe who should or who should not have a high deductible plan. Because I think of, you know, families with small children or a lot of children, they they probably, with kids always going to the doctor for broken bones and stitches and, and flu and colds and whatnot, they probably would never want a high deductible plan. So as much as I like the health savings account and I'm always an advocate of it, a lot of people should not get a high deductible plan. Yeah, I I, I feel like uh, in, in working with our clients, I would say the high percentage of them are in a high deductible plan because the employer makes it almost more attractive. And um, and and Bruce, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how many people even have a traditional left anymore because I don't. I mean, unless you're in a union or something like that, I don't see a lot of traditional plans. And then when it comes to kids, I just have to tell you that, you know, the the people that work on my team are doing the high deductible plan, even if they're running to the doctor. And, you know, because of the combination of being able to um, have these health savings accounts that you can utilize. So let's let's talk about what it is, the health savings account, and then maybe we'll circle back, Bruce, about the traditional versus the health uh, savings account. So it's a medical account. Yeah, it's a medical account. Yes, you you do make a decision, and that's why I mentioned it at the end of the year. But it allows for tax-free reimbursement of eligible health care expenses. But you also have to prove them. So unlike an IRA, the withdrawals will be tax-free if you use them for these eligible expenses. And So if withdrawals are not used for qualified expenses and you're under 65, um, which a lot of clients that we have are still under 65, if you happen to take that money and it wasn't for a medical reason at all, then you're going to have a 20% penalty. Unlike an insurance policy, this healthcare savings dollars can be used for a broad range of expenses, which is like hearing aids, dental, eye. I mean, just there's a long plethora list of what you can use um, for these health savings accounts. So why are they so popular and why were we excited about it? And I'm still wondering if I should be excited about the transition of these high deductible plans. But the reason we're excited about it is because the IRS allows us to put money into an account called a health savings account. And, but they give us maximums. So for 2023, you can put in $7,750 for a family or $3,850 for an individual plus $1,000 if you're 55 and older. They allow us to then, Bruce, deduct this from our taxes, right? So we don't have to pay any money. Um, we, can, we can put money in there and we're taking it out before our income gets taxed. 
once it's in the health savings account, they give us choices. Do we want to keep it in the safe bucket? Do we want to invest it in the growth bucket? We're in control of, do we want to make money on that money? Or do we actually want to use that money that, you know, as soon as possible to pay for expenses that we have um, with our health care? And so when you have a high deductible plan, what happens is you're responsible for 100% of the um, cost of things until you get up to your deductible amount. Now, back to why these are exciting is because if indeed then you pay for things with your med- for medical, then you get to pull those dollars out tax-free. So um, the benefits around those, the health savings accounts, to me, are definitely worth it. And there's a real controversy over should you use those dollars right away or should you grow those, Bruce, for the future? Yeah, and, you know, there's there's no right or wrong. I wish there was a one-size-fits-all. There's no right or wrong answer to that question. And, of course, no one has a crystal ball, so we don't know what our future health care costs are going to be. But, Peg, I would say just very generally, and my, my observation would be that most of my clients – if if they're if they're relatively small, you know, expenses, you know, uh, prescriptions or or I had a, a a visit to the doctor because I um, I, I had something I, I, a sinus infection and I got an antibiotic or whatever those those sort of day to day things that we're used to, my clients and and I'll I'll throw myself in here too. I pay for those things out of pocket, and I'm kind of saving the health savings account. For the future, what I call big ticket items like knee replacement surgery or hip replacement or things like that that are likely going to be in my future based on the state of my knees right now. Um, and and that, that doesn't mean I'm right or wrong. I, I don't know, but that, that's what I'm doing, and that's what I think most of my clients are doing. So they do actually, most people that, in my experience, have their HSA invested into the market. In fact, I think I talked about on, on this show earlier this year that when we had a change in uh, custodians, my HSA got put into cash and I didn't want it into cash and I went and I moved it into the market. But that decision is really going to be unique to each individual in their own circumstances and how big the expense is and so forth and so on. But but wouldn't you agree that in general terms, people are kind of saving it for the future big ticket items that might happen sometime down the road? I would agree, Bruce, 100%. And, and I, I witness um, when people come to us for the very first time for our introduction meeting, it's amazing to me how many people have it invested in super safe. Like it has such a purpose and a meaning to people that they hold it. And this is a lot of times people come to us when they're nearing retirement or getting ready like five years before retirement um, so that we can help them create paychecks for the rest of their life. And I always witness that this health savings account is sitting in a super safe um, account. Well, uh, it's unfortunate because here's one bucket of money that we can actually grow. We first, first of all, we got a deduction for putting the money in, 
we then can grow the money tax-free, provided that we use it for healthcare expenses. And I would say to everyone listening, there's probably no way you don't have that that you wouldn't have a lot of healthcare expenses because we're talking about your lifetime. So I'm trying to grow it and then utilize it further down the road um, is what we recommend. But I also have clients who just say, you know what, I, I truly want to use that because that gives me the freedom to spend some of my other money. You know, they are on a budget, right? And they have a certain percentage they take out of their portfolio while they're younger to do the things that they want to do, like travel and take a trip. So I've got those exceptions too, Bruce. Yeah, I do too. I, I, I agree with that. So, um, Again, it's going to vary for each individual person, your other assets, how big is the expense, how often do you have these expenses, and so forth, and when do you want to tap into the, to the health savings account and use that. Um, I want to really emphasize this point, Peg. You said it, so I, I, I'm, you did a great job of covering it, but I want to make sure that everybody is clear. I always draw an example to health savings accounts to IRAs and Roth IRAs. I think people understand IRAs and Roth IRAs. So if you're still confused about the health savings account, your contributions are pre-tax like a traditional IRA. You get a deduction for the contribution. It's a pre-tax dollar. Now in traditional IRAs, once you get that tax deduction, then you have to pay taxes when you take a withdrawal. Well, on the health savings account, it becomes like a Roth where you don't have to pay taxes as long as that withdrawal is for a qualifying health care expense. So it's like a combination of traditional IRA and Roth IRA. You get to have your cake and eat it too. You get a deduction for the contribution, and you potentially can get tax-free withdrawals. That's what makes these things so powerful in terms of using them for your health care expenses. But also, we didn't mention yet, I don't think, and one of the other reasons why I prefer waiting is let's say that, that I pay all this stuff out of pocket, saving my HSA for the quote unquote big ticket item down the road. And I get to be, I don't know, 75 or 80 years old. And I don't think I'm going to need that knee replacement or that hip replacement after all. And I, I, I can actually go back into my HSA, take a withdrawal, tax-free withdrawal, and reimburse myself for all those years of out-of-pocket expenses. So that's a tremendously consumer-friendly um, part of the HSA. Now, of course, if you're audited, you've got to have receipts and you've got to be able to back up those expenses. You can't just make up a number. You've got to be able to verify it if you're audited. So you've got to save those receipts for 10, 15, 20 years if, that's, you know, if, 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 if someday you think you might go in and take a withdrawal to reimburse yourself. But I think that's a tremendous feature of the HSA pick. It's, it's absolutely huge. Um, you're going to laugh at this, Bruce, but I have a folder. I have a folder of all these healthcare payments that I've made for going to the doctor or something, and then you get the little bill, the par- a partial, and I put it in there because you're right, 10 years from now or 20 years from now, I could pull out that folder and submit all of those receipts for years past. The other thing you have to be careful, though, is so like my HSA at work is in my name and I have my husband listed as the beneficiary. And if indeed something happens to me, 
he will be able to continue with those same features and benefits that we talked about that are great. But if both of us pass away and there's a balance of a health savings account, the non-spouse, they then treat that like an IRA where it's all taxable to the beneficiary. So you got to be careful about how long you're going to wait, you know, to submit these receipts. The other thing I wanted to bring up, Bruce, you weren't here last week, but we had a question. And one of the questions was, could I use my long-term care insurance premiums as a claim on my health uh, savings account? And I answered it um, as, yes, you can. But I know there was a formula or there was a number. You just can't take your entire long-term care um, payment and say, I'm going to submit this to my HSA. And there's actually a... um, a chart that tells us by the IRS how much we can deduct and they and then we we can only deduct a certain amount and they use it by age. So as an example from 61 to 70 years old, um this year is 4510 but then next year's 4770. So the person that asked that question last week, hopefully you're listening because we are just mandated to follow this chart. And depending on how old you are, you can submit those uh, claims for your health savings account. Bruce? And similar to that, Peg, um, the HSA, you can't contribute to a health savings account if you're on Medicare. And I think a lot of people know that maybe a lot of people don't. But where I, got, I got a question one time, and I don't remember if it was on this show on a week when you weren't here or if it was at a public speaking event, but somebody asked me if they could use an HSA withdrawal to pay their Medicare Part B premium. And I said no at that time, and I've since found out that I was wrong, that you can do that. So you can't make contributions to your HSA once you're on Medicare, but you can take a withdrawal from your HSA and use it to pay your Medicare Part B premium. So whoever I gave that wrong answer to, whether it's on yeah. the show, and, and your I was wrong. Yeah, and your prescription um, yep. amount yep. with Medicare, too, you can submit that. So there's lots of reasons that you could use it. But once again, let's just circle back really quickly in that the probably the biggest decision you have to make is, well, number one, probably maximize it the best you can. Number two, do you invest it? You know, try to come up with a time frame that you would want to utilize that. We work with clients to try to figure out, do they want that, you know, in the front end of their budget or do they want that longer term? And I would say, Bruce, like you and I said, you know, 90% of the people are saying, I want that longer term. Let's make money on that money. And actually, then it feels like uh, our medical is less painful, you know, if we have this bucket that we can use that grew tax-free along the way. Bruce? Um, do you want to tackle uh, flexible spending accounts this part of the show? Should we start? Sure, sure. So the flexible spending account is uh, money that we get to set aside. Uh, once again, the IRS tells us how much. 2023 is $3,050, up from 2050 Here, when we already have a high deductible plan, we can only use this particular type of account for dental and kind of eyeglasses eligible medical expenses. Those are the two big ones. And I'm a big fan of these as well, because what happens is is you're probably going to have these type of expenses, but here's the big difference. Use it or lose it. And so you got to make sure that you um, understand your corporation's rules about when you have 
to use it by. Um, there was something, Bruce, in the tax code, too, during COVID that they were having uh, people being able to roll over uh, some amounts. So you might want to check on that, too, if you are indeed using that uh, feature with your employer. Bruce? <clears throat> Yeah, we're uh, we're coming up to the end of the first part of the show, I think. But Peg, on the on the flexible flexible spending accounts, I think for a lot of people, that's what they think of. Even when we first say HSA, they think of FSA because they've been around longer, and they and 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 a lot of people don't like these plans because they get to the end of the year and they've got money left, and and rather than just waste it, they go buy a bunch of. St- like, I don't know, maybe they'll eventually use all the contact lenses or toothbrushes or whatever they buy, but they end up in that use it or lose it position, which is very different than the HSA. So when we come back, Susie, we'll, uh, anything we've missed, we'll, we'll go back and circle back on. But hopefully the second half of the show, listeners can drive most of the content. All right. With that, we'll invite our listeners to the show at 651 651- Four six one nine two two six again six five one four six one nine two two six. You can actually call in and talk to Bruce and Peg on the phone after this. Welcome back. It is your money, and if you have a question for Bruce or Peg, you can call this number twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, and that is one eight 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 six advice. You can also email your questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com but for the next 25 minutes you can text or call 6514619226 once again here is the founder of wealth enhancement group Bruce Helmer and wealth enhancement group senior vice president and financial advisor Peg Webb we're back for the last half of the show thank you Susie Jones um let's Peg I'm going to do a quick uh kind of summary of what we talked about in the first half, and then I know there's a couple of other key things that you want to get to for listeners. So listeners uh, that that have been with us, thanks for staying with us. If you joined us late, Peg and I have been talking about health savings accounts, flexible spending accounts, and these are provisions available to you to help uh, offset the cost of your health insurance. And the, the second one we talked about, but the one that has been around a lot longer, the flexible spending account. I think a lot of people are familiar with those, and you think of it as the use it or lose it account, where every year you have a certain amount of money available in the account, and you can, as you have expenses throughout the year, you can use that account to pay for them. Um, you have to, uh, you have to uh, present receipts for reimbursement, um, and anything that you don't use, you lose, so a lot of people end up like now late in the year going, I've got X amount of dollars left. I'm going to go get contact lenses or glasses or things that are eligible to be used under the flexible spending account. The newer one and, and arguably the, the more consumer-friendly one that Peg and I really like, if you have a high deductible plan, you're eligible for this health savings account. And the beauty there is you get a deduction for the contribution, but you also can get tax-free withdrawals for qualifying health care expenses. And Peg talked a lot about when do you use it? When do you pay for things with that versus uh, paying out of pocket and saving that money or growing that money? And how do you invest that money in the HS? Is it in a very conservative cash-like vehicle, or is it in a more aggressive, potentially higher return, but also higher risk 
um, investments in the stock market, just like your 401k plan. So, Peg, those are the things we that we talked about, and I think we covered them fairly well. But there's a couple things that I think are pretty important questions that we get from clients that we didn't cover that I know that you wanted to talk about. Peg? Yeah, <clears throat> thank you, Bruce. One of the things that's coming up, especially in my practice lately, is uh, people are turning, clients are turning 65, and the question is, they're, they're still working, and they have no intention on retiring anytime soon. So the question is, do I take do I take Medicare? Well, if you take Medicare and you no longer are on your employer health care plan, you cannot contribute to health savings accounts anymore after that point in time. So we've been doing a lot of weighing whether um, taking the um, Medicare Part A and the Part A is hospitaliz- hospitalization. So the question is, I say to my clients, you know, are you planning on going in the hospital this year? I mean, are you going to have any big major thing happen to you? Because Medicare pays for, I think, almost like everything above $2,000 or something. So it's it's dramatic. But yet people still want to stay on their company plan because they, they like their company plan. So I don't have the answer here for everybody. You know, it's it depends on your particular situation. But the thing is, is there isn't a lot of information out there about what should I do. And a lot of people were kind of conditioned that at 65, we sign up for Medicare because we've just heard, you know, and especially when you get all these things in the mail, when you get close to 65, as my clients tell me, then they're just telling you, you've got to sign up. There would be no reason to not sign up. But then the employers sometimes are still taking out money for this high deductible plan because the person did, didn't use, they signed up for Medicare, but they're not even using it and they're still on their company plan. So lots of confusion around that, um, Bruce. And I just wanted to make that people aware of that, that you have a choice at that point and make sure you work with your employer at that point um, that can kind of try to coach you through that, Bruce. You know, that I'm glad you brought that up, and that's such an important point, and you're right. I have had that happen um, with clients, but now I'm going to personalize this a little bit, and I don't want to, Peg, I don't want to throw you a curveball or ambush you. Now, I'm older than you are, so I'm going to confront this sooner than, than, than you, but I, I've been very vocal on this show and a lot of other places. I have no intention of retiring at age 65 because... I don't do anything that I'd like more than this. Why would, I, why would I stop doing what I love to do? So I will have that decision at 65. Do I file for Medicare or do I you know, stay with the company plan? And I haven't researched it yet. I'm, I'm 63. I'll tell the whole world I'm 63. And I don't know what I'm going to do. Have you looked at that? Have you thought about that? And again, I'm not asking you to say whether you plan to retire at 65 or not. I suspect you won't. But but if you looked at that for your for your own self, have you done any research or due diligence? Or no, but I, I think I think as a financial advisor, we're always kind of working in a uh, kind of a mental state of what would I do, right? And not that it's always one size fits all, but you kind of go, well, what would I do? Well, I, I am a huge fan of health savings accounts. And I kind of incorporated that into my answer when I was talking about it before is 
what's your likelihood of going in the hospital? Part A is, you know, um, hospitalization. And so let's just say for as an example that Medicare pays $2,000 and your hospital, hospitalization was $10,000. Well, your deductible on your HSA might be $5,000. So you, you've got a spread there of $3,000 and then you weigh, is the health savings account better off, like where I can compound this money tax-free for a long period of time? Do you see where I'm going with this, Bruce? It's a math drill and it's a probability. Um, I would say in today's world, I'm seeing more and more people working past 65 and I like what you said because they love their work. They wonder what they'd be doing if they didn't work and then they're not taking Medicare because the company plan, they feel like the, those benefits are, are good are good, and, um, and they're continuing to put money into their HSA. Now, if you indeed, some listeners out there may have taken Medicare and didn't even know they had to stop putting into their health savings accounts. Well, that's a, that's a bad no-no because the IRS then can make you pull those out and you'll have, number one, you'll have to pay tax on the deductions that you took out when you were um, in default, if you will, putting money into a um, into an HSA. And then they also put excise uh, penalties, excess penalties on that money that you tried to grow for, you know, let's say you're, you're five years in and you had all this HSA money. That's a big penalty to pay if you don't follow the rules. Let me ask you one more question. Susie, I promise we'll get the listeners. But, Peg, do you think it matters um, in that decision? Okay, uh, I'm 65, but I have a younger spouse. If that's the case, they're not eligible for Medicare yet. Is that going to influence your decision, whether you stay on your own insurance or file for Medicare? And I think you can file for Medicare and still have your spouse on your work insurance. But does that, do you think that impacts the the due diligence or the analysis that you would do? Absolutely. Like anything, Bruce, in, in the comprehensive planning that we do, we have to take into consideration the ages of the clients. Uh, and so I, I would just say yes, Bruce. Okay. So Susie um, and, and, and listeners, um, questions on HSAs or flexible spending accounts the rest of the way, your text, your calls, um, 651-461-9226. But, Susie, I know we've got texts there, but I, I hope we can get a phone call or two as well. Um, and, and, and it can be any financial question. It doesn't have to be on today's topic. If you've got something else that you're concerned about or a question on as it pertains to personal finance, anything you've got today, Peg and I will try to answer your question in the time that we have left. Let's say that number again, 651-461-9226. If you are texting me a question, consider calling and asking the question that you are texting because we would love to hear from you here on WCCO Radio. A texter writes, may I contribute to my HSA up until my 65th birthday? Peg? Um... I, I would think I, I, so. I'm, the, we're kind of, we're getting into the weeds here a little bit, and so I would think that you can contribute up to your 65th birthday and do a partial for that particular year. Well, I think Peg, correct me if I'm wrong, but what we were just talking about this is this text is kind of right on point. 
if I'm going to keep working and I don't file for Medicare, even if I'm past 65, I can still keep contributing to an HSA, yes? Well, correct. Absolutely. All right. Yeah, absolutely. So, we have two callers on the line, Bruce. Let's start with Charlie, who has a question for Bruce and Peg with Wealth Enhancement. Go ahead, Charlie. You're on the air. Okay, Bruce. This is Charlie from Norwood. Um, I recently turned 65. I had to sign up for Part A. That's by law. I guess you have to sign up. And if you don't, so Part A is free. Part B is your medical part. And that cost you, that, that is not free, that cost about $170 a month. If I don't sign up for Part B, after my three-month sign-up grace period, that can cost me an extra 10% a month per year that I delay not signing up for Part B. Can you talk about that? Charlie, thanks for listening, and uh, and thanks for your question. So, Peg, everything Charlie said I know is factually accurate, and I think what he's really getting at is if I, if I don't file or sign up for Part B when I'm 65, when I do sign up, I'm going to end up paying more by not doing it right away. And and uh, I, I think what you're going to say, uh, not, to, not to talk for you, is we'll factor that into the analysis um, and, and helping determine whether someone should take Medicare Part B or stay on their own insurance and be able to continue to contribute to an HSA. We factor that in, right? Yeah, I feel like this whole idea of if you don't sign up for Medicare, and here's where the confusion comes, Part A, right? The, it, and in, in this point, I don't know if the caller is actually employed. Right. If you're if you're retired and you decide that you don't want to get Part B, um, I'm not I don't know of many people that don't get Part B. But what the hundred and seventy dollars is coming from is a cost from Medicare based on your income tax. So if you're under a certain uh, income tax level, you pay one hundred and seventy dollars a year. But if you're on a higher income tax level, you can pay up to close to almost a thousand dollars a month for your Medicare Part B. And then the question really here is that was just a couple points before I answer the question is there's almost like the scare tactic tactic with people that they have to sign up for Medicare. And I find that that's why my employed people are very confused at this point in time because of these penalties that they talk about. But if you're going with a company plan, then you you shouldn't be having these penalties. And I don't know why, Bruce, people would, if you're not working, why people wouldn't go out and just get their Part B, you know, because I think that's what they're encouraging people to do is to cover themselves with Part B. Does that make sense to you, Bruce? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. And again, I'm not sure if Charlie didn't clarify if he's working or not, but yeah, if you're if if you're not on um, any other insurance program, yes, I don't know why you would not take Medicare Part B. But but to the other thing that we talked about 
right before we took Charlie's call, you and I, or at least I have said, I won't retire at 65, so I'll have a decision to make. Do I file for Medicare? Do I stay on my own corporate insurance plan, which will allow me to continue to contribute to a health savings account? Um, And then, you know, so uh, that's how I took his question. But again, uh, we would factor that in, that if you are going to end up paying a little bit more for Part B by waiting longer to take it, that that alone is not a reason to automatically take it at 65. You may still be better off not taking it and being able to put money in your HSA. Again, it's going to depend on each person's individual circumstances. Susie? All right, we have another caller now. Carl is on the line with a question for Bruce and Peg with Wealth Enhancement. Go ahead, Carl. You're on the air. Hi, good morning, guys. Um, I have a sort of a multi-part question here for you. Uh, I have an employer. My new, I just changed jobs, so I have an employer who I believe it's a high deductible, so I don't know what qualifies as high deductible, um, but it's sixty-five fifty for my deductible. Um, and I have HSAs from previous employers. So I was wondering, can I contribute on my own to the HSA? I mean, I know I can put money in there, but what are the tax advantages to it? And are there better HSA plans out there to look for if you wanted to invest in an HSA on your own, if that is a possible thing? I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. Hey, Carl, thanks for listening and thanks for your question. Peg, I'm really leaning on you because I don't know the, the for sure. Um, I can speculate on some of it, but I'm not exactly sure how to answer Carl's question. So, again, he, what, what I heard is he had a high deductible plan in the HSA with one employer, but he switched jobs, and he's not sure if that, that's a high deductible plan or not, but whether it is or it isn't, can he still contribute to the HSA from from his other plan, and can you have shop around and invest in you know individual HSAs on your own? And if so, what are the advantages and disadvantages? So there's a lot of stuff there potentially. Um, can you give a good answer? I I, I got to admit I can't. Well, number one, if you're employed by somebody, you have to go investigate whether it's a high deductible plan. And then the only thing that I've ever seen is that the money would come for that high deductible plan would come out of your payroll. But I have to add to this now because um, there's this 55 and older rule where you can put in this extra thousand dollars. And in some cases, and I've seen this in our comprehensive planning, the employer doesn't take out that extra thousand. So we've actually had clients go and open up their own HSA to get that extra $1,000 in an account. So number one, find out if it's a high deductible plan. There's no reason to not contribute to the high deductible plan that you have at work. I can't believe that there wouldn't be some good choices within that plan. Secondly, your existing health care saving, your health savings plans, you can go take those out from your old employer and you can go open up your own independent health savings account and manage that money um, yourself. So those are transferable. And then what was the, is what their third question? Um, Can you contribute on your own? Hmm. I don't, I've I've not seen anyone go, I'm not going to go with my company plan. I'm going to go do my own HSA. Bruce, I've just never, I've never seen that. Peg, can I jump in? Because the texture asked the question, what is a high deductible? 
I think a lot of people might wonder that. Maybe that is subjective, but can you kind of address that for a texture? Well, to me, it's always been really clear because they, when they um, send us our choices, you know, a traditional plan, you don't have most of the costs of the medical are paid for. So you, you don't have a lot of out of pocket, except that your monthly premium that you have to pay for that traditional plan is usually a lot more than what we're calling these high deductible plans. So the high deductible plan has a lower monthly premium to pay, but then you also have this ability to put in this health savings account. And the number one reason these health savings accounts exist is because you have a deductible that you have to cover before the insurance company is going to cover, cover anything for you. So you have to really examine both of them in your particular situation. Bruce, you brought it up early on in the show. Sit down and say, what's our probability of our medical costs this year? And which one is going to be a better plan? Yeah, Susie and and Peg, I think if the texter and even uh, Carl is looking for a specific number in terms of what is a high deductible plan, I I think this is right. Peg, I generally think of... Uh, $5,000 for a family, $2,500 for an individual, and up from there, it can be even higher. But if it's 5000 for a family or 2500 per person, I think that qualifies as high deductible. And a lot of people, like I said earlier, or maybe not a lot, but some people that you know think they're going to go to the doctor a lot don't want to plan with deductibles that high. So, I don't know, Susie, can we squeeze in one more text? Or yeah, well, let's try to, to do, the end? yeah, let's do one more text. What about, this texture writes, what about health reimbursement accounts? The, IR, the IRS allows these, right? And this is just a few seconds ago this texture wrote. Peg, do you know what that's referring uh, to? I, I know they exist, but Bruce, I don't have it on the top of my head at this moment. All right, what? Um, let's, we have one minute left. So why don't we wrap it up and not, and we'll get, we'll have folks keep their questions, right? And, uh, or they can go ahead and take those questions that they've written to me and they can write them right to your money at wealthenhancement.com. Does that sound like a good idea, guys? Absolutely. It's a great idea. And what I'd like to leave people with is do not hesitate to contact your financial advisor. I'm finding that even clients didn't even call me when they were making some of these decisions in the past, but it is complex. And I think we need to be aware of that. That's right. And we have about th- uh, 15 seconds left. So on that happy note, one eight 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 six advice You can write it down. It's very easy. one eight 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 six advice or your money at wealthenhancement.com. If you have any follow-up questions for Bruce and Peg, make it a great week.